Yes. Omega Y's in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. questions I ask myself when I question myself. Father, here we are on a Tuesday evening making a request of you. Doesn't have to be Sunday morning. You're the God of Tuesday also. And our request is simple that you would allow revival to happen, not only in our communities, not only in the areas that we live, work, and play, but also in our very hearts, that you would allow us to not become so used to you working in our lives that we forget how to slow down and recognize the move of God that's happening. And Father, if we don't know you and we're in the building tonight, God, then I pray that you would open up our eyes so that we can see the things that we call coincidence as you. There is no coincidence, it's God. As Pastor Isaac said earlier, there is no weird reason why you showed up in the building tonight other than the fact that God orchestrated your steps to be in the building tonight. He allowed the traffic to do what it needed to do. He allowed it the right word to get in your ear. He allowed it the right person to be able to speak to you so that you can be in the proper place at the proper time to get the proper thing. So I thank you, God, and I appreciate you. And even now, we open up our hearts and we receive what you have to say to us tonight. It's in Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Somebody just shout back at me, amen. Amen. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thank y'all. Y'all can be seated. I just needed to, I needed to, yeah, y'all know what it is. Y'all know what it is. Um, so this isn't my text tonight, but I want to say it because, because, again, Isaac threw it out there and there's a parable that Jesus gives about the sower who, uh, who scatter seed. And I'm recently, Isaac, starting to understand a little bit more of what that means. And as a person who delivers messages every, uh, every so often, um, I don't sit in the shoes that he sits in and don't want to. As a matter of fact, I had a little anxiety leading up to this point. So y'all pray for me that I'm chill and cool and that I'm just relax. I feel like I'm relaxed, but if I look weird or awkward to y'all, if my eyes cross, don't laugh, just kind of go with it. You know what I'm saying? But I found that when Jesus spoke about the parable of the seed sower, what he was saying was, Jaren, it's not up to you to bring the increase. It's up to you to scatter the seed, man. And so I don't want you guys to think that I'm up here to try to make you grow. That ain't me. I just trust that you're going to be good soil. And I will say this, everybody in the room ain't going to be good soil. There are some people in the room tonight, you're going to be like that initial person where the seed fell on there and something came and distracted you and the seed got out of there. And that's just what it is. I'm going to say something tonight and it's supposed to sit deep with you, but because your phone's going to ping or something's going to happen, you're going to miss it. But then there are others, there are others who will hear it. But by the time you walk out the door, it ain't going to resonate as much with you. And, and that's fine. But then there are those who, if you allow yourself to, the word that you'll hear tonight will get in there and start doing some stuff. And you just, you just might find that maybe, maybe as you continue to listen to the word and as you continue to come to the table and as you continue to walk out this thing we call faith and salvation, that things start to grow in your life. So I say that to say this. 
if you want to be good soil tonight, you're going to have to intentionally be good soil tonight. It, don't, it ain't going to be, oh, well, you know, if you say something and hit, then that's fine. No, you're going to have to say, God, help me to stay focused. Help that girl not to call me right now. <laughs> help him not to text me right now because I'm, I'm, I want to get something here from you. And that's just what it is. So, so I say that because I felt the need to kind of throw that out there to say, be intentional, good soul, when you come in here. Don't put the work on him to just try to make you something. Instead, come in going, nope, I'm expecting for God to plant something in me that's going to change my life for the rest of my life. Y'all feel me on that? Is that cool? All right, cool. All right. Let's, let's, let's dive in. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Jarian. Um, hey, what's up, Adrian? <laughs> Yo, do they intentionally put him on the front row? Every time. He like, I don't care. I sit on the front row. Um, <laughs> no, but... I've been here now uh, at First Orlando for maybe maybe a little over a year, but I grew up across the street. For those that don't know me, that's, that's kind of my story, is that I grew up in this neighborhood, grew up in this community, glad to be back here, and glad to be able to, to be a part of an organization that's really trying its best to reach outside of the four walls and do something amazing. That's why I'm rocking my Four Orlando shirt tonight, y'all. If y'all don't have one, sorry, they ain't got no more. But... <laughs> If you, but I think they're going to get some more, so maybe if y'all make enough noise about it, or maybe y'all can get some custom table uh, for Orlando shirts, I don't know, but anyway. Um, I wanted to come, and I specifically wanted to thank you, each and every one of you, because I told Isaac, I said, man, there are things that I was able to do in this environment that I could not do in the other environments that I serve. I helped do music at JYP and in any other environment, really, whether it's Student Camp Orlando, whether it's Horizon West, if they need me to do some type of music or to help develop or whatever, I'm there. And so what was happening was I got here, I got into this position, and then I felt myself kind of stiffen up, like, eh, they're a little bit too programmed, or man, well, I'm not used to this. This ain't quite like chocolate church. I'm used to chocolate church where we just, we go all out. Like, we'll be in there all day, you know what I'm saying? And all night if you ain't playing with it. So I just, I kind of froze a little bit, right? And then I came to the table. They invited me to come and do a night of worship. How many were here for the night of worship where we first did the night of the round? Y'all were here for that? Okay, yeah, it's like six of y'all. That's cool. That's cool. Listen, when I say I got free in that place, y'all, I got free. I mean, I remember, like, I was standing on chairs. I won't do that tonight. But I remember standing on chairs. I remember my wife was like, have you lost your mind? Like, standing on chairs, boy. And I was like, yo, it was free in there. And I say that to say this environment freed me. And ever since then, ever since then, I've just not felt that reservation. So I, I say that to say thank you, number one, for making this a place that we can come to. And to also say, don't be alarmed that Tuesdays spread. What happens in here on a Tuesday night travels to a Sunday morning. I guarantee it. And I'm a living witness. You can see it through Abby, Cole, through, through Anne, through all these different people up here that serve not only in here, but also serve on a, on a Sunday morning, um, including over here at the Horizon West. We got tech people from all over. Tuesdays spread. And, and you guys showing up makes it a demand for us to be able to have this kind of environment. So thank you. I just want to personally say that. Thank you to each and every one of you. Okay, so I got that out of the way. I just wanted to get that. All right, quick blurb about me, other than the fact I grew up across the street. Father, loving husband. You can ask my wife, she'll tell you. She, she typically would be here in the back, but our, our, little, um, 
our little two-year-old was giving her the business, so she said, I'm drained. I'm just going to stay home. But she, I talked to her, prayed for me, and she said hello to all you guys. And then um, I got three kids. One is two-year-old. The other one is eight. And then my, my oldest is 12. I know I don't look like I got a 12-year-old. Black don't crack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, we're going to dive right in, y'all. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to hit it hard. Father, thank you for this beautiful night that you have given us, a day that we have never seen before, a day that we'll never see again, and I'm grateful for that. I thank you for this environment. Now, Father, I pray that you would give me concision of speech and clarity of heart so that I can be transparent and so that ultimately people can see through me and see you. It's in Jesus Christ's mighty name that we pray, amen. All right. So I'm going to just... I'm going to just throw it out there, okay, because I, uh, 2002, summertime, I had just graduated high school, um, and I was dating this girl my entire senior year. She lived in Atlanta. I lived in Orlando. And mind you, this was BFT. This was before FaceTime. So there was no, hey, I'll FaceTime you. What's up, girl? No, no, no. This was like AOL, instant messenger. You know, to, yeah, some of y'all in here like, yeah, oh my gosh, the whore. Yeah, that's right. The ancient days. So in, in the words of, of, of a famous comedian, I am an elder millennial, which means that I'm not quite a millennial, but I'm an elder because I'm right on the cusp. But I remember all those other things like AOL, beepers, pages, two-way pages. Anybody else in here elder millennials? No, everybody's pretty much a millennial? Okay. All on the back row. Is that a coincidence? No? Okay. Anyway. Um <laughs> But that was, that was the thing. So I was dating this girl my entire senior year. Didn't even go to my own prom here, y'all, because I wanted to go up that land. I wanted to save my dollars so I can go up that land and go be at her prom. And so I did that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I missed out on my entire senior year. And then she moved here. And I want to get the story right. She moved here. And when she moved here, as soon as she moved here, she dumped me. Yes, I know. That's what I said. She dumped me. Mm -mm. No, it gets better. Not only did she dump me, y'all, but she dumped me and she got here and she just kind of said, you know, this just ain't work. It's not like she ain't see all this goodness. It's not like she's never seen me before. Like we had, you know, we talked, we saw each other. Her, 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 she had family here. So she would come visit and stuff like that. So it's not like, well, maybe it's because she saw you and she thought, oh, you were not as cute. No, she knew I was good looking. You know what I'm saying? But she moved in and decided, oh, I'm out. And so what ended up happening is we just split. Now, that was all fine and dandy fine until me and my cousins are driving in the car. We're going to pick up another friend of ours. We all go to church together. And we go, we drive to his house to pick him up because we all want to go to the mall. He's not there. And so we turn and we get ready to leave. As we're leaving out, he's driving in. But guess whose car he's driving? My ex-girlfriend. Yes, absolutely. Snap, crackle, pop. Yeah. So, yeah, so what ended up happening is I look at my cousin and I'm like, yo, turn the car around. I'm about to do something. And they like, no, we're not going to turn the car around. I'm like, please, I, please turn the car around. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to go too far off the edge, but you got to turn the car around, man. You got to go. And they, again, they're all like, no, except for one in the car. He actually goes to this church now. One in the car, he was like, no, turn the car around. Let him, let's go back. You know? 
He was always the instigator. So we turn around, we go back. I jump out the car on God, y'all. I jump out the car and I'm ready to just, I'm ready to lay these paws on him. And I'm left-handed, so he ain't going to see these body blows. I'm going to get it. And I kid you not, no sooner than I hop out the car, she hops out the car too. And she runs over and tries to stop me. And she's like, no, 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 it's not what you think. And, you know, it's a typical whatever. And so at the time, I'm going to be honest with y'all, because I told you this is a free environment. At the time, Pastor Isaac, my mouth was not redeemed. I was a Christian, but my mouth, Jesus was still working on my mouth. So I'm flying off the handle at this dude, you know, saying all this stuff and ready to put these hands on him and all that other stuff. And eventually it got to the point to where they calmed me down. They got me back in the car and I drove off and we left. And, and needless to say, you know, that ended and, and it was what it was. But I was literally about to whoop his blessed assurance. <laughs> I ain't even lying. I was going to put it on him. And I'll tell you why. Because I was angry. Because I was mad. I was, I was humiliated. Are you kidding me, man? Come on, what? Really? Maybe go to church together. You're supposed to be like a Jesus bro. So what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I lost. I was mad, not necessarily because I didn't get a chance to put these paws on them. I was mad, not necessarily because they had gone to Universal Studios together, which is what it was. But I was mad because I felt like I lost a girl. And I discovered something about myself that day that I know is absolutely true of every person in this room. And it's this. I hate losing. Okay. Because I, I feel like some of y'all are judging me. Like you got an L on my forehead. You hate losing. Especially when it's something that you care about. Especially when it's something that you care about. When we stop long enough and when we look at this idea that we hate losing, you ask yourself, why? Why do, why, why do, why do I hate losing? We know one reason. One reason is because culture tells us, right? One reason is because culture literally says that when you lose, you get bad vibes, you know, like nothing goes your way, you become, I mean, literally, the whole idea of losing is highly discouraged in society, is poorly portrayed in movies, poorly portrayed in books, poorly portrayed in TV shows, even on social media, it's all about winning, it's all about how the winner takes it all and the loser has to fall. Let me ask you this, when was the last time you saw somebody, an athlete, let's say a famous athlete, lose, like let's go with LeBron, any LeBron fans? Okay, good. Dean, this won't hurt. <laughs> LeBron loses. How many see him post an Instagram video right after that and go, hey, man, you know what? We just lost. Um, you know, we gave it our all, but we lost, and it's all good. No, you don't see that. What you do? You throw that towel over the corner, you walk off the thing, right? Like, that's what it is. Like, because society says, like, yo, if you lose, like, you lose. Like, loser, loser. You know what I'm saying? So society has made it this thing where losing is this negative word. It's just this, it's this bad vibe. And nobody, I repeat, nobody wants to be a loser. But what would you say if I told you that we can learn from losing? What would you say if I told you 
that we can actually become more selfless through losing. See, there's this guy named Paul, and it's in our book, and we're going to read it in just a minute. But he's helping to lead the early church, and it's here that we will discover how to be not a sore loser, but a more loser. We don't need to be sore losers. We need to be more losers. What do you mean, Jaria? Well, I want to dive right in it. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. This is where we dive in, and it's Paul's story as he addresses the church in Corinthian. And, and let, me, let me just say this real quick before I read that, right? Corinth was pretty diverse, y'all. Corinth was a church that was made up. It was this city, and it had this church in it, and it was made up of Jews, Gentiles, young, old, rich, po, not poor, po, right? That's a different level of poor, po, people who had been religious all their life and people who had no religious background at all. And you know what that did, having all those different people in there? It brought conflict into the church. It always does. And a lot of you right now, you're probably sitting there with a rosy picture in your head, not me, Jari. And when I think of unity and multi-ethnic, I think of all things roses and everything just goes together. You're wrong. <laughs> you are very much wrong. People were all coming together because the church was starting to explode. It was starting to grow. And so when all those diverse backgrounds came together, it created this conflict and this tension. But in the midst of creating conflict and in the midst of creating tension, it also created a beautiful and a unique opportunity for the power of the gospel to shine like never before. It showed unity at its finest. Because the truth of the matter is, is that unity doesn't look like uniformity, as Pastor David likes to say. It doesn't look like everybody dressing in the same shirt. It looks like everybody being kind of what we are right now. Like, you know, I'm all in different shirts and different clothes and whatnot, but we all still one. That's unity. So what happened? This church is exploding. And Paul's like, man, y'all are exploding, but boy, y'all are running off the rails. Because you got Jews and Gentiles. You got the young and you got the Pope. I'm sorry, young and old. You got the poor and you got the rich. You got the religious and you got the not so religious. Can I share a secret with y'all? The world today looks a lot like Corinth. <laughs> we ain't even got to go to the world. Let's just go to Orlando. Orlando looks a lot like Corinth. A lot of different ethnicities, a lot of diversity happening. And the truth of the matter is that the world longs to see this kind of unity. They idealize it in movies and in the classrooms, but very few seem to accomplish what unity really looks like. So what do we do? We throw out things like critical race theory. Mm -mm. Oh, now let me be very clear. Things that I mentioned tonight, I'm not highlighting them because I agree or I disagree with them. I'm highlighting them because I'm telling you this is the world's solution to throwing it out there to try to receive the unity that the gospel can bring. So with that being said, I'm going to say it again. We throw out things like critical race theory. We throw out things like Black Lives Matters. We throw out things like world coalitions, and all of these things are trying to accomplish unity the way that, accomplish, that the gospel accomplishes it. But I want to tell you something. CRT can't accomplish unity the way that the gospel accomplishes it. Black Lives Matter cannot accomplish unity the way that the gospel accomplishes it. Politics, politicking, y'all, 
cannot accomplish unity the way that the gospel accomplishes it. Because the world is trying to do all these different things to bring about unity. But the last time I checked and I read this book, there's only one thing that allows us to all have unity. His name is Jesus Christ, and he did it by doing three things. Came, death, burial, resurrection, boom. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And that's where we find our unity. So, okay, because I can already tell, ooh, I rubbed somebody wrong. If you don't like it, hey, listen, email me at Isaac Trevino at firstorlando.com. Like, it's all good, I promise you. That's Corinth in a nutshell, though. A nutshell is that it's exploding, diverse cultures are merging, and then Paul steps in the middle of what's happening, and he starts to ask questions about, listen, about himself. Here's what Paul says at the very, very beginning of chapter 9. Paul's like, so, Corinth church people, let me ask you, uh, uh, am I free? And they look at him like, yeah, Paul, yeah, you're free. What you talking about, Paul? Okay, okay, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering. Uh, let me ask y'all something else. Am I not an apostle of Jesus? Like, did I not see Jesus with my own eyes? And they looking at him like, Paul, yeah. Like, we already know, Paul, you asking these rhetorical questions to which we say, yes, yes, Paul, we know you're free. We know that you've seen Jesus with your own eyes. Yes, you are an apostle. Okay, okay, and then Paul says, wait, let me, all right, let me ask you another one. Let me ask you another one. Church of Corinth, let me holler at you. Listen, are you not proof that I am an apostle of Jesus Christ? Because listen, like before me, I ain't trying to boast anything, but y'all ain't know about Jesus. Y'all went up on game that Jesus was this amazing Messiah. Y'all didn't know any of that. So would you agree with the fact that, yes, I'm an apostle and you yourself are proof? Yes, Paul. What, yes, absolutely. What are you getting at? So, so you also agree then that if I'm saying something that it's valid and it has weight. Absolutely, Paul. Good. I'm glad you said that because although I am free, I make myself a slave. And it throws them for a loop, probably. Wait, 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 run it back, Paul, say again. I said, although I am free, I make myself a slave. And here's where we pick up, verse 19. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people. Why? To win more to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew because I wanted to bring the Jews to Christ. You know what? When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to that law. I did this. Why? So I could bring Christ to those who are under the law. All right. When I was with the Gentiles who don't follow the law, I lived apart from the law. Why? So that I can bring those Gentiles who ain't got nothing to do with the law to Christ. But do I ignore the law of God? No, 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 no. That's just Paul kind of pausing and saying, don't get wild now. I'm not saying that morally you can go off the rails. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in the area where you have freedoms, God-given freedoms, you need to know that I chose to forego those. You follow what I'm saying? Then verse 22, he says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. I share in their weakness. I, Paul, share in their weakness for why, 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 why? Because I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can. Why? So that I can save some. So I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessing. This text 
tells us something. This right here, Paul interacting with Corinthians, tells us something. And it has to do with the way that we started this whole thing about losing. It has to do with selflessness. It has to do with giving up yourself for the sake of others. Um, I noticed two things when I read this text. I noticed that Paul said, um, he used the word when, and it's in verse 19 when he said, even though I'm a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people so that I can win more. Remember I told you, he's not a sore loser, he's a more loser, right? Well, Paul's saying, yeah, I, I get that. So, I, like, I want to make sure that I win more people to Jesus Christ. Okay, I, I dig that. So how do, we find, how do we define win then, Paul? Well, win is people bringing people to Jesus. So in your context, win looks like you bringing somebody to Jesus. That's what win is. Win is when you bring somebody to Jesus. Win is when you bring people to Jesus. Win is when you bring people to Jesus. Did I say that enough time or should I say it one more time? Like win is when you bring people to Jesus. That's a win in our book. So here, that's how we define it. We define that as a win. My personal story about me being led, every Saturday morning, I would go up to Hope Church, which is right over here off Orange Center Boulevard. Believe it or not, y'all, I'm a nice guy right now, but I was a thug back in the day. Y'all don't, don't realize that. But I had some thug tendencies, rather. I'll say it that way. I'm a very nice guy now, but I was a thug back in the day. And I ran the streets a lot with a lot of people. Let's just say it that way. And there was this one guy who told me, he said, hey, man, if you come up to the church, not only will I allow you to hang out and you guys can just run around, we can play ball, I'll get y'all pizza, food, whatever, but we'll also have an opportunity, if you don't mind, for me to kind of share some life-changing things with you. That sound cool? I'm like, yeah, whatever, man, just give me the pizza. It's all good. Like, I'll come up there and listen to your sermons, you know, whatever. Um, so I did. Me and a few of my other friends, like, we all went up there. Would you believe that every single Saturday this guy would show up there, and so would me and my friends. We would all show up there, and we would do just what he said. We would have pizza. We'd do step shows. We, I mean, it was good. Like, looking back on it now, I don't know how I looked up on that other than God, but it was amazing. But we would spend time with him not only pouring into us and discipling us, but he was something that we were missing, which was a father. See, all of us guys who were running around, we were all fatherless. We were all without that guy in our life. And this dude, this guy, would get up every Saturday morning. And he was married, and his wife knew it, and his, and his wife loved it. But he would get up every Saturday morning, and he would come up there, and he would spend time as a father-like figure to these fatherless boys. And it was absolutely amazing. And it was that that led me to Jesus Christ. I'll never forget when he gave me a Bible, and I still got that Bible on my shelf, and he wrote in it, and he signed it, and he put the date in there, and he handed it to me, and he said, I'm so proud of the man that you're becoming. I feel like God is going to do something great with your life, so forth and so forth. And I just remember that's how he won me over. He won me over by showing up every Saturday. That's what happened. So was he hanging with a bunch of young men every Saturday mornings when he could have been sleeping in? Yes. Was he, was he hanging with a bunch of young men and he could have probably been hanging out with his homeboys himself? Yes. Was his Saturday mornings 
filled with being a father to fatherless dudes? Yes. Did it save a little knucklehead like me? A thousand percent. That was him winning. And that's what we define as winning. So to me, he's got to win in his book. When we bring people to Jesus, we win. Am I clear on that point? I just want to make sure because when we move forward, I want y'all to go, well, what is win again? When we bring people to Jesus, we win. Second thing that I saw in this text was the opposite, lose. And it doesn't say it specifically, but I want you to catch what it's saying. Because, again, if you look at it, that man, Jerome Simpson is his name, that man winning me and the other guys to Christ caused him to lose something. What did he lose? He lost his Saturday mornings. He lost spending time with his wife to some degree. Like, again, we understand the context of this, but he, he, he lost being able to hang out with his homeboys on a Saturday morning. He, he lost that. But he did so for the sake of being able to win us. Paul is saying the same thing. Even though I'm free and I have no master, I become a slave, meaning I lose my freedom. I, don't, my, I give it up and I become a slave to all people. Why? So that I can win more people to Christ. Verse 22, when I am with the weak, I become as somebody who's weak. Why? So that I can win them to Christ. Do y'all get what he's saying? When I'm with the Jews, I'm giving my preferences up because I want to be like the Jews. Why? Because I want to win them to Christ. When I'm with the Gentiles, I want to rock with the Gentiles the way that the Gentiles rock. Why? Because I want to win them to Christ. So I lose I lose to win. And that's, that's kind of what this is saying right here. Paul made himself a servant, a slave, a Jew, a Gentile, a weakling. And he's basically saying this. I don't mind losing my preferences to discover common ground. I'm going to say it again. Paul is not a sore loser. He's a more loser, yeah, some of y'all said it, that was all right, but let's practice like we in chocolate church. Paul is not a sore loser, he's a, yeah, he's a more loser. And Paul is essentially saying, I know that it's worth it to lose my preferences to win people. And that, my friends, is the big idea for tonight. That, my friends, is the big idea for tonight, that we win by losing. We win by losing. In life, it's not always about winning. We can lose, but you will be surprised at how when you lose, but you have the proper perspective, you end up reaping the benefits. Paul says it in verse 23. Paul says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings, share in its benefits. So contrary to what the world says, we don't always have to focus on the wins and the losses. Instead, what we can focus on is the outcome. What is the outcome of you losing your preferences? What is the outcome of you giving up a certain preference of yours? What, what, whoa, here we go. What is the outcome of you not being so politically opinionated if it means that you get to win another soul to Christ? Ouch. It's okay to say ouch, by the way. Nothing wrong with saying ouch. I'll take ouch and amen any day. 
I mean, just think about that. Think about that. Paul says the outcome in me losing my preference is this, a closer relationship with those who I'm trying to reach with the gospel. I'm going to say that again. The outcome in me losing my preferences is a closer relationship with those who I'm trying to reach with the gospel. I'm going to say it one more time because I wrote that little bus. Um, The outcome of me losing my preferences is a closer relationship with those who I'm trying to reach with the gospel. So yeah, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Isaac taught about meat and stuff like that last week. Y'all thought the man was just hungry? No, he was, he was telling y'all about like how this idea of literally somebody saying, yo man, oh, let's paint this picture. Isaac and I are from Orlando. Well, no, you're from Texas, ain't you? Okay. <laughs> Anybody else from Orlando? Who's from Orlando? Okay, all right. My group from Orlando, we like eating chicken. Chicken is delicious. Chicken may be the best darn thing on the whole planet. Yep, I am preaching. (laughs) We like eating chicken. We don't know Jesus yet, but here's what we do know, is that every time before we go to the club to get our juke on and drink and do all that crazy stuff, we eat chicken. Because chicken is a part of our ritual. Chicken is a part of us being able to say, you know what? When we eat chicken, you know what it is, baby. It's time for us to, hey, let's go. It's time to turn up. So we eat chicken. Isaac comes along with his Texas self. And now we're all a part of the same church. Jesus has found us, and we're all a part of the same church. And so we rocking and we grooving. And we say, you know what? Us Orlandoians, or however we say it, hey, you know what, man, we're not going to do the chicken thing as much. And you know what, matter of fact, let's just cut it out. Why? Because, you know what, we remember when we used to eat chicken, it was a part of our ritual to go wild out. Isaac comes along and starts eating chicken around us. What happens? All of a sudden, we look at it and go, whoa, bro, why are you eating chicken? Do you know what that means? Chicken is a representation that you're about to turn up, wild out, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, come on. If Isaac cannot look at that and go, you know what? I don't need to eat the chicken then. Because y'all are my brothers in Christ now. And if the chicken reminds you or puts you in the context of what you used to be and what you used to do before you met Jesus, I won't eat the chicken. That's what it's saying. It's not, it ain't got to do with the chicken. Now, if Isaac go private and we ain't around us, Orlando, man, you have as much chicken as you want. But around us, don't eat the chicken. That's a preference. That's a preference. And that essentially is what we're talking about here. We're saying, Paul is saying, listen, y'all, we are a growing, booming church. There are going to be differences. There are going to be people from this walk of life, that one, this one, that one, and the other. We have got to lose our preferences and win people. There is no way that I'm going to let you close to me if I feel like that you're not even willing to forego some of the things that I know offends me or some of the things that I feel like are going to make me draw back. So lose the preferences. Can I share something with you? And and again, you could say, ouch, it's fine. Sometimes I feel, help me, Holy Ghost. Sometimes I feel that the only thing between the church and the lost is our preferences. 
sometimes, I'm just, I'm just keeping it 100% real with y'all. Sometimes I feel like the only thing that's between Jesus and a lost person is the Christian's preferences. You ought not wear that to church. That's your preference. You ought, not, you, ought not, you ought not say that. You ought not lift your hands that high and shout that loud. That's your preference. Okay, I'm going to get off that because I want to come back. <laughs> Paul essentially says this. He says, I participate in the healing, redeeming, life-giving, life-merging power of the gospel with all these different people from different cultures, walks, life, ethnicities. Why? Because I lose my preferences so that I can win this close relationship. And sometimes the only thing that we have, again, I say, sometimes the only thing that's between us and Jesus or Jesus and someone is our preference. So Paul says, lose your preference to win the person. I just want to wrap up by saying this. The greatest loss that I could think of that led to the biggest win was Jesus Christ going to the cross. Think about that. Jesus was good, y'all. Make no mistake about it. Jesus was good, but did not find it robbery. And read your Bible. It says it in Philippians 2. He didn't find equality with God as something to cling on to. Now, if this man does not find it equal, equality to hang on to that, to be equal with God, it, then why can't we let go our preferences? He let that go, came down, became a human, put this on, went, died on a cross. Why? So that he can win each and every person in this room and anybody else who's willing to accept him. That is the gospel. And that is losing to win. So something that I just want to hit you with, and, and I, I think what I want to do, if it's all right with you, Isaac, I just want to tell y'all, I'm not going to walk through that entire share tool, but there is a share tool that we released as First Orlando, and, and it's on a website, and I, we, you know, if you don't mind, I can figure out a way to, he can get it to y'all. But there's a share tool, and I want to encourage each and every one of you guys to look at that. Because Paul here says that, there, that the way that you end up getting people, the way that you win people to Jesus Christ is by close relationships. Well, how do I get close to people? By losing your preferences. You want to win more people to Christ? Drop some of them preferences. So, so the share tool is a tool that I think all of us can use. I know all of us can use it. And it's a tool that I feel like that all of us should be using because it goes beyond just evangelizing in the sense of, hey, if you die tonight, do you know you're going to heaven and hell? It's beyond that. It's literally spending time with somebody. It's going having coffee. It's calling them up or shooting them a text message and say, yo, man, you're on my heart today, bro praying for you. It's, 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 it's being able to, to be with people, not only in the table, but even outside in your own community. So check out that share tool. Get close to people so that you can win them. The last thing I'll say, remember I told y'all I was about to get in that scuffle um, over that girl. <laughs> I'm so glad my wife ain't here tonight. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are we broadcasting? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, I can, I, can, I can get my swag back. Um, no, but seriously, I lost that girl. But if I didn't lose her, I wouldn't have found my good thing. So I say that to say, yeah, I lost. 
but look what I want. I got a beautiful wife, three amazing kids, and she and I are actually celebrating 15 years of marriage this Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about winning. You talk about losing. I hope that tonight reshapes your perspective. And I hope that the next time you see yourself trying to get close to people or trying to, here it is, win people, that you realize, okay, this may cost more of me than just talking to them, but I may have to lose. And I don't want to be a sore loser. I want to be a more loser. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to talk about your word and to see Paul exercise this beautiful gift of saying, listen, I become all things to all men so that I may win some. God, to me, that's what it's about. The gospel comes with a house key. And so, God, we all need to be exercising not only our rights to be your children, but, God, we also need to be giving up some of those same rights for the sake of winning. This is not about us going up. This is about you coming down. And I'm so grateful that the greatest win we have ever experienced came at your loss and that we are here ready to follow in your footsteps. So, God, will you continue to poke us, show us, make us sensitive as we continue to try and win people for you. We'll be careful to give you the credit. You deserve it anyway. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.